and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Butcher, you can follow along with our show notes and reading list and much, much more at mangasplaining.com. I do want to give a special shout out to everybody on Twitter who has been really nice about the show notes over the last like week out of nowhere all of a sudden. Thank you for that. If you're listening to the podcast anyway, I don't know, we're writing last week for Gundam or two weeks ago for Gundam. The three of us together wrote 7,800 words of show notes about Gundam The Origin Volume 1. It's a little overkill, but we had a great time doing it. So what's the much, much more you're talking about on the website? Are we overpromising? Yeah, we're overpromising, <laughs> but more to come, more to come in the future. That's okay. all we have to say about that right now. And if we find that some of you punks are using our Gundam show notes for your master's thesis, we're going to find you. <laughs> <laughs> Cite us. We, we hate education yeah, here I mean, at Explaining. Do your own research. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Welcome to Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind by Hayao Miyazaki. A classic, classic manga. It's the next in our trilogy and a quadrology of classic manga. That's the one that ended up sort of shaking out. Yeah, I picked this one. That's why I'm hosting this week. Hi, it's Christopher. Yeah, Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind. It has the distinction of being, I think, if not the oldest, then one of the oldest continually in print manga in English. Uh, manga was started in 1982 in Anime Magazine, which is an oversized glossy generally color anime magazine in japan and then published as single issue comic books usually in a sort of prestige format 64 pages sometimes as little as 32 33 pages and that didn't start until 1988 so we got it you know like six years after it started serializing in japan and it's been more or less in print as a trade paperback since 1990 there have maybe been a few months here or there the editions that we're working from today, I'm working for the current softcover seven volume edition. We're reading volume one. Are you guys all doing the same thing? Or I think Deb probably has the hardcover because you always have the the fanciest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fanciest edition. Wait, where does, where does volume one end? Oh, it's just chapter one in that book. Seriously. Uh, around yeah. 134 I, pages. I, yeah, I slogged like through a bunch of it until like. <laughs> I feel really bad. I'm so oh. sorry. Yeah, it's the yeah. it's the soft cover volume one that Chip and I believe David, you read the that that yeah. amount as well. I read that amount, but in the hardcover. Oh. Okay. Okay. As far as I know, it's the same translation because getting new translations approved is kind of a pain in the butt. First of all, so. uh, Deb using the word slogged already gives away a little bit of her feeling. <laughs> Ooh, let's let's save <laughs> Deb's opinion for last on the opening. Yeah it it's a really classic foundational work that isn't like comics is my thesis on this episode and i'm going to dig into that in a little bit but yeah i'm fascinated by this work i'm fascinated that this is something that has remained in print and become this sort of touchstone foundational work for a lot of people and in many ways it sort of presaged the popularity of things like akira uh, nausicaa got translated sort of after the akira movie stuff hit and started to become big and people were like oh what's what else is out there because the movie the nausicaa movie came out after the uh, the well, we'll get on. We'll get into all that. Let's just talk about the comics first. Let's just, you know what, guys? Today, let's just talk about the comics first. So, Ugh, all right, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Volume One. Chip, I'm going to start with you. We always we always start elsewhere, but Deb's given us a good reason to start with you today. <laughs> oh, what did you wow. think of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind? I was not expecting that. I was going to try and read it while you guys answered. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Bad week to pick that. This is this is like twelve panels a page. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that. Just to be upfront, I read this like a month ago because I thought we were recording this episode like a month ago. <laughs> mm. And as I was reading it, I was quite bored. As soon as characters just started talking to each other, <laughs> <laughs> and there wasn't a action element. I found I couldn't keep track of the characters very well. Mm. Part of it is my aging eyesight, I realized, reading this, where it's like sepia on on paper, highly detailed with 12 panels a page. I was just like, what? What's going Who's What? Is that guy a prince? Is, are they the good guys or bad guys? I don't know. Maybe that's the point of the story. I don't know. Mm, it gets there. I found it to be beautiful intermittently when they mm. weren't just crowding things out with, as you previously mentioned the 12 panels a page 
I don't know much about anything, as you know. I, I don't know anything about Miyazaki. <laughs> I've never watched any of the movies. Mm. But reading this, I was like, oh, this would be much better as an animated movie, which I've never said mm. about anything <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but because the panels end up being kind of so small and dense and just detailed, I was like, oh, no, this artist needs a locked uh, ratio size to tell a thing Mm -hmm. so so they don't end up doing this (laughs) (laughs) and and making these kind of i hate to say mistakes because obviously they're a master artist but yeah like just some of the weird panel decisions just really kind of threw me out of it because like if everything is detailed and nothing is detailed in a way yeah so yeah, so I found it. I found it a little bit of a slog, but <laughs> to borrow a phrase from Deb. But yeah, like, but there were still really beautiful moments and beautiful scenes and and panels that kind of made up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took it took me a little bit to get over the fact that those big things were called Omus, which is the abbreviation for the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so every time I saw one of those, I'm like, yeah, it's big enough to contain all the information. So that does fit. But yeah, but the, the Omus were like kind of glorious looking creatures. Mm. You know, clearly Miyazaki enjoys kind of world building and creating all these things. And as, as, a, as a person who doesn't necessarily gravitate towards fantasy, when it gets too kind of in the weeds on it, that's when I bounce off of it. When they start talking about various kingdoms and people within those mm-hmm. kingdoms and fiefdoms and whatever. I, uh, I, I, I stop reading or I kind of skip along. So mm. yeah, so there are beautiful parts. There are things that confuse me because I'm old and yeah, that's, that's my feeling on it. I wanted to save this quote for a little bit later, mm. but I think it's, it's relevant. There's a quote at the end of the book and it's worth noting that when he began Nausicaa in 82, he had already like been working in animation and been really lauded and respected and yada, yada, yada since 68. And this is his quote from the introduction of the original version of, of Nausicaa Volume 1 in Japan. The people at Animage encouraged me to do comics, so I went ahead and set down my own concept of Nausicaa. Now I am doomed and have to learn the hard way again why, a long time ago, I concluded that I had no talent for comics and gave them up. <laughs> and this is what he wrote after completing the first volume of Nausicaa. And I think that, you know, let's being a younger man, if you had come to him with those complaints, he might not have disagreed with you. David, what did you think of Nausicaa Volume 1? I think this is going to be a really spicy episode. <laughs> like, there's a bunch of different things I want to compare it to. Like, I think of Dune and The Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. is another easy touch point. And... I had a third. I can't think of what it was now. Oh, the Inkle, Jodorowsky and Mobius. Because Absolutely. I yeah. feel like half of the Inkle is really good, and the other half is everything Jodorowsky wrote. And it makes me like feel crazy that people love it sometimes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I feel like this book has a lot of the same vibes where it's like this perfectly realized world. Like there's all this like social political stuff going on. It's very interesting, but the writing doesn't quite grab me. But in this case, like where I bounced entirely off the ankle in this one, it's almost like it's a dish that's exactly what I want, but I'm like still like, oh, but not like that. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I've been trying to think of how to boil this down like all day. And like Nazca as a character, a listener of the podcast, David Bednar, he's Y Carps on Twitter, DM'd me to talk about Nazca recently and mentioned that I had a take on it years ago. When I bought this book in 2012 and my take was that it's a book full of people telling other people that they're good and doing the right thing. And Nauska <laughs> is very much like, Oh, she's like very in tune with nature. When she gets mm-hmm. bitten by an animal, it's totally okay because it's, you know, this is harmonious, you know, she's just very perfect. And <laughs> yeah. I think like, you know, sustainability is important. Harmony is very important, but I don't necessarily want that as a main character in my comic books. Yeah, (laughs) like I don't like purity as much as Miyazaki likes purity I guess is what I'm trying to say and this is like a running thing with me in his work where everyone loves Lupin the Third The Castle of Cagliostro Miyazaki's directorial debut it's a fantastic movie 
but I feel like it's too clean to be a good Lupin movie. Like he's too much of a like a swashbuckling prince. When my preferred mm. version is like, oh, he's a thief with like stubble and he smokes cigarettes. Like there's none of that in this movie. So yeah. I get I think that Miyazaki was very successful with what he was trying to do, which was kind of like a very even more earnest kind of Captain Planet, like take care of the environment, take care of your people kind of thing. Yeah. But it's so pure that I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, it's not quite <laughs> <Yeah>. there for me. <laughs> I, I, to- I totally get that. I think it's interesting to note that this first volume of Nausicaa, I think the movie of Nausicaa covers the first four volumes and it has a different ending and then the series sort of continues after that. He had to start working on the movie before the manga was done. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting thing because the themes and central characters and the character dynamics of Nausicaa are almost one-to-one, I don't want to say retread, but let's say retread in Princess Mononoke, which is Motif. another, uh, let's, yeah, there's, there's some motifs that are re-explored in Princess Mononoke. And it's, we were talking a little bit about how like sometimes mangaka or story storytellers get a second chance where they do their initial version. And then the adaptation of that initial version is a second chance to, to sort of smooth things out. We talked a little bit about like how Gundam, the origin is a smoothed out version of the original Gundam anime. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit with Wurukoi. So he got to do Nausicaa, the anime and redo basically the first three or four volumes. And it's much stronger and much clearer and all the military fighting stuff and whatever is like much more digestible. And then he got to do those ideas again <laughs> with Princess Mononoke <laughs> over a decade later, I think 15 years later, when he was just like a much stronger storyteller, he's just done that much more work in between. So I think it's really interesting because you're looking at a warts and all book from 1982 and you're not necessarily looking at the guy who is like won an Academy Award for Spirited Away and like, I think it was 96 or 96. Anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll, it'll be in the show notes, folks. I saw Mononoke... 2019 right before the pandemic for the first time oh really and i was actually surprised at how much i liked it and a lot of it was because the hero was rougher like the plot line was a little more gritty there's a part where the main character snatches an arrow out of the air and then shoots it back at the bad guys and like at that point i'm you know standing up in my seat clapping you know (laughs) (laughs) i want to there's a scene i want to talk to you about but we'll go to we'll go to deb first deb it was a slog for you you've got some unpopular opinions i hear (laughs) Tell me about Nausicaa. Well, basically, Chip and David pretty much <laughs> pretty much <laughs> said a lot of the things, my reservations about the book. So I, mm. maybe I don't need to rehash them. But I will. I want to pick up on in you know, like one the density, and but it I did because I read chunky chunky volume one, not slim volume one. <laughs> you do see that his visual storytelling gets a little looser and lighter. Mm-hmm. He uses fewer panels per page. I I feel like the density has prevented me from reading all of this. Like I just get tired. Like mm-hmm. like yeah. Oh, there's so much detail here, and it's all it's packed like into every little panel, right? <laughs> and it's like like you know the world building and the who's who's good, who's bad, who's what's the name of these people, what are the personalities? Um, Nausicaa suffers for me a little bit because. She's a like like David was saying. She's just too perfect. All the mm. all the dialogue is about. Oh my God, she's amazing. Oh my God, she's the only she's the only kid we could raise out of the eleven we had because the rest yeah. of them died. Oh my God, yeah. she's so sweet. Oh, she can talk with animals. Like perfect, per- like she she's awesome at like flying. She's a perfect warrior, and she stops herself. She realizes she's going this berserker rage, and she stops herself. Like even yeah. when that little animal bites her, she doesn't smack it across the room. She's amazing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's nothing. And even like I, like in Sailor Moon, for example, right? Sailor Moon is a you know warrior of truth and justice, but she's kind of a ditz. So, mm. and I don't necessarily like Sailor Moon because that's way too ditzy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm not saying Nausicaa would have been better if she was more had some interesting flaws, but she comes out straight out of the gate perfect. And so the, the, it doesn't really give you much opportunity to see her grow or root for her. All the mysteries are revealed in the first volume, right? Like the world is polluted. Okay. And that's where all the problems begin. The world's polluted and Nazca must somehow stop the world from being polluted where the, the poisonous plants no longer are poisonous and the, the angry, you know, insects become 
you know, allies. And it's like, you read the first chapter and you kind of, okay, I kind of know where this is going. There's no mystery, <laughs> yeah. which I think makes it, makes it hard for me to go through all the dense pages and dialogue and want to see more. But I, I'm sure, like you know, like we've as we've dealt with a lot of other manga here, right? Like that first volume is a little rough, mm. uh, where he's. Uh, it almost feels like, you know, like when people write their first fantasy novel, they just pack in a lot of crap. <laughs> they do. <laughs> like this, this is the power structure. This is the this is the people. This is what the animals look like. This is the religious philosophy. Blah 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 blah. I must explain everything in this world, in and. It, there's so much he's trying to pack in there. It just feels impatient, right? Like, yeah. And because the panels are so small, I can't... Like, what Kaoramori does really well, right, is she doesn't tell you, you know, uh, Amir, Amir is, is strong and, and, and smart. She shows it through her facial expressions and her body language. Uh, and mm. what happens with Nausicaa is a lot of script writing, <laughs> but not a lot of visual storytelling. Which is surprising because this is something that he was in complete control of. But it to me it it, it felt more like a French comics. You know, yeah. even even the the density and the character you know, the, the the organic sci-fi-ness of it all. Like it looked like Azrak, like that those pterodactyl that Mobius draws, the pterodactyl sure. rider. There's that there's definitely that French vibe to so to me it feels more like a Japanese creator. It's very influenced by French comics than it Absolutely. is a manga, yeah. and maybe that's where where my struggle is because I even I have a, have a hard time reading French comics. The density and the veracity, <laughs> very tiny text, it's yeah. just hard. And it's like, please just show me, don't just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I really yeah. appreciate your take. I appreciate all of your takes. I think they're really good. You're all wrong. You're all absolutely <laughs> yeah, wrong. Course. And here's why. Mm. <laughs> This is a book that has a girl that is so good with a sword, she totally kills a guy five times her size and like does it with a sword by like shoving it down the back of his neck and severing his spinal column. Like there is actual badass stuff in this. And like, yeah, there's also a bunch of like people chatting, but like there's a lot of really good stuff there. Like when Kushina and what's his name? Wormtongue, whatever, the Wormtongue character uh, are, 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 yeah, are, are chatting away. And it's like, there's some good interplay there. There's some good dialogue. And yeah, it is absolutely burdened by the fact that it's, this dude maybe is not the best at making comics. <laughs> I think that that's, he's really good at animation and he's really good at character design. And he's really good at with coming like with these beautiful visuals. But the biggest problem with this book is that he'll come up with this beautiful visual and then he'll relegate it to like, I don't know, a panel that it printed at three inches by four inches yeah. as opposed to doing a whole like i just i was just flipping through the last couple volumes while you guys were talking now just to like look and see it it's no it's just as dense like he gets a little bit better at deciding whether or not to go ham on like a fully detailed panel or not versus just like letting an outline shine and giving your eyes a chance to rest for just a minute and just a second you know as you're glancing over it but for sure there's just yeah i think that there's so much good fun stuff in this that i think you just you know, this is a cop out, so call me on it. But I think you just have to be in the right headspace for it. I think if you're reading this on a deadline for for a podcast, it's probably not an ideal reading yeah. situation. But if you're yeah. like if you're willing to read this as slow as a dense piece of prose, I think it is it is full of wonders. I think it's really actually rewarding too. I will say that just to address the last thing that Deb said that like yeah, the through line is that the giant monster, robot monster, the god, the god weapon that they find in the first volume is the catalyst that ends the series in volume seven. Like that is the through line all the way through. But I don't know if you're kind of interested in the like side story stuff and the interpersonal stuff and meeting different people. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. But I could see how people wouldn't. <laughs> that's my concession. That's my concession to your negative reviews. I can understand why you don't like it. I wish it was in color. Oh wow! Controversial manga explaining opinion. Well, color. Well, no, because I had to watch the. I what? I I gave up and I I coughed up the money for an HBO Max subscription because that's the only way you can stream Ghibli stuff in the U.S. Oh yeah. And it's like, oh, 
Yes, the omus are mad when their eyes are red. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like People that. Keep having to say That's it. It's a in key the thing, and the <laughs> eyes are not red. And so, in addition, sorry, we didn't. I did a very bad job at introducing this book. Gnostic of the Valley of the Wind is an epic environmental cautionary <laughs> tale by Academy Award winner Hayao Miyazaki, creator of Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. In a long-ago war, humankind set off a devastating ecological disaster. Now the Earth is slowly submerging beneath the expanding sea of corruption, an enormous toxic forest filled with mutant fungi that release a miasma of poisonous spores, spores into the air. Nausicaa, a compassionate young princess and her allies, fight to create peace between kingdoms fighting over the world's remaining precious natural resources. So it's an environmental cautionary tale. There you go. And all the more poignant now that we all are wearing masks all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that bummed me out. Oh, and the, this volume that we're reading here, this edition was translated by Rachel Thorne. So there you go. Oh, there you go. The, the thing is that these would have been coming out with issues, and they all had full-color covers because each chapter would have a full-color illustration. And Viz, in addition to publishing the Nausicaa manga, has also published a book called Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Watercolor Impressions, oh. which includes all of the watercolor artwork that Miyazaki did for the series. That was like chapter breaks and like the map that's in the front volume, like little... You know, this beautiful little thing. And each page has comments that Miyazaki included where he just hates all of his artwork. It is a real, like, yeah. that's a slog to read. Reading this dude just. He's a negative creep, man. <laughs> for 200 pages of, oh, I didn't know what to draw and I didn't want to draw anything. My editor wouldn't leave me alone. So I drew this and I cried the whole time and I hated it. I hate this illustration. And you're like, it's a beautiful illustration of Nausicaa. This guy's loco. So. Yeah. So now that this series is properly introduced, I wanted to ask about European comic storytelling because we all kind of like hinted around it. Is there something in your reading comics history, a European comic that is dense like this that you've actually enjoyed? And is that how does this compare <laughs> to that? Like, how does this how does this work? Uh, and people who are following along at home, I'll let you guys think for a sec. In the show notes, I'm going to show some pages, some examples of just like how dense not only the pages, but like spreads are. There's not a lot of room to rest your eyes. I think that's like a super valid criticism here. But I think if you get into a different headspace, it's a little bit more easy to read. Is there anything you've read European wise where you're, that's this dense and you're like, this works better? I don't read European comics. <laughs> I feel like if I say Judge Dredd, everyone is going to want to kill me. Like oh, your no, comics people wouldn't. <laughs> you know that's not what I meant. Yeah, There's but a like different tr comics tradition. Yeah, but like disliking like Jodorowsky kind of cuts off a huge swath of French comics, for example. Yeah, because in a way, like his work is like a genre unto itself. You know, like Meta Barons. Mm -hmm. I'm like, come on, it's like grosser than Game of Thrones. So not yeah, but people love really. both of those things and yeah, Warhammer 40k, and like, which is like it, the even grosser version. Like you know, yeah. Juan Jimenez, oh, all yeah. these amazing artists. And I'm like, the but all the words stuff? are so bad. <laughs> but there's no, the Eurocomic stuff for me is mostly a visual thing. And I think yeah, for this, yeah. I would want to sit with it the same way I would, I would want to sit with like Watchmen because yeah. of what Dave Gibbons was doing in the background. The first mm. year of the pandemic, I read Watchmen like all the way through, including all the pirate stuff for the first mm. time in like a very long time. And wow. it's, it was packed. It took me like a month to get through the book, reading like one a night, every couple of days. And this feels similarly dense, but maybe yeah, not yeah. quite as rewarding because there's, it wasn't aimed for but, adults. Yeah, and it's, mm. uh, it's unnecessarily dense. Like, I feel yeah. like in Watchmen, each panel, like, I can conjure into my brain almost every panel from Watchmen because each panel kind of means something. Mm. Whereas this, they don't. Like, this needed someone to come in and go, yeah, you can cut this, 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 and this panel. You can yeah. tell this story in a much cleaner way. Like when it loosens up, it goes from 12 panels per page to nine, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. not yeah. like that much more. <laughs> he wants to have, I think he wants to have his cake with the animation, his animation cake and eat it too. When he's making these comics, I think he wants to include like something that would be a one second clip in a, in an animated film, like mm -hmm. a reaction shot from Nausicaa he'll include here. But if you do that every single time, you have to, you have to have 12 panels on a page. Otherwise, like, each volume of this would be 700 pages long. You know what I mean? And he's got to get it down to like a, a crisp 130. So I think that that's really interesting. Uh, Deb, yeah. you were maybe the most genki about the Euro comics comparison. I am curious to think like, I'm curious to know if there's anything that like, that you have liked in European comics that you might be able to compare here to here. You, I mean, you were pretty clear in saying that you have a hard time reading it because of the compression. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I bought the the Leaning Girl. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the uh, what was it? That's Shreetan Peters, right? Yeah, it's well, it's really beautiful. But again, it it demands more out of me as a reader than I'm mm. used to. So I think your thing, your your statement about mindset is correct. Mm. And I wonder if like I would be reacting differently to this if you know I was a 14 year old girl who was you know eager to to consume this type of dense sweep me away, take me away from middle school bullshit and mm-hmm. take me to this world where women are badasses and everything's possible. You know, like I used to love the Oz books, for example, when I was a kid. That kind of rich fantasy world was really engaging. And Nausicaa's and Hayao Miyazaki's treatment of uh, female heroines is really unique, right? Because technically, she's a princess, mm-hmm. and yet she is not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember all the anime fans were so excited when Disney sort of did the distribution for, took on distribution for Ghibli films in North America a couple, maybe a decade. 20 years ago because it's like oh my god now nausicaa is a disney princess and she's the first good one she has a sword and it's like mm-hmm. you know fair enough i guess if that's your take on disney princesses but yeah clearly that all reverted and now you've got to get hbo max but for sure i think that there's she comes out of a, a warrior princess tradition xena styles but she comes out of a tradition that is not part of a lot of north american storytelling but is maybe is maybe more european is maybe more japanese he talks a lot about the origins of Nausicaa in the back of the book. Did you guys read the introduction nope. that's in this one? It's on the like last page. On volume two of the giant one or no? No, it's on volume one. Well, it's on volume one of the soft cover, but he talks about the Odysseus. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in, it's in, in volume in two. Yeah. Yeah. About Nausicaa. He talks about the Japanese character that he sort of merged in his head with her. Hmm. It's okay. So here's, here's the next question. Does this feel more like a myth to you than a story, uh, than like a contemporary manga or anime story? I don't think most stories feel like myths, you know? Mm. Like when people are like, superheroes are modern mythology, I'm like, okay, well, you just mean there's superpowers in them. And I think <laughs> okay. that this is yeah. definitely an epic story, but mm. I wouldn't call it like a myth or mythic story necessarily. But with the way that the characters talk about Nausicaa in the book, it's like she can communicate with the animals. She glides on the air. Like there's yeah. a mythical something going here in the way that everyone around her, she's like a living myth. It's like if Hercules was walking amongst you mm-hmm. and you, you're, you know, you're whatever. I really get like big myth vibes from this, but you guys are seeing it. It's kind of like, I don't, I feel like the way I described her, it makes her sound like a Mary Sue and that's not quite what I mean, but she's almost mm-hmm. like a grown man's idealized version of the perfect teenage heroine mm-hmm. like the kind Thankfully of she's not sexualized seen. at all <laughs> yeah like, like that's yeah. the that's a huge upside with miyazaki's work but like yeah. you've seen a younger version of this character in fist of the north star with reen who is unable to talk until she finally screams and wakes up the hero and calls him to action or in the professional leon has the young girl to protect like these are mm-hmm. all kind of riffs on the same kind of character and where Leon, it's about protecting her. This one, there's still like a bunch of old men who are like, oh, we would give our lives for Nausicaa. She's the best. She's exactly what we were hoping for. It'd be cool if she was a boy, but it's awesome she's a girl. And it's like, come on. like She's such a beacon of purity that it doesn't actually feel like a character to me sometimes. Yeah. Mm. But not necessarily that she's too perfect. It's almost like the perfection is fine, but her placement in the story makes it feel strange to me. It changes in the second volume, and I think that that's really interesting that you picked up on that because I think maybe he did too. Frankly, I think Miyazaki <laughs> was like, "Yeah, I gotta have her get away from all these old dudes and people that know." Like, yeah, the, the second volume, she gets thrust into a situation where she's basically on her own, and I think that from then on, it changes a little bit and mm-hmm. addresses some of that. But it, the other problems you guys have with the story do not change. <laughs> like, it is the second volume is just as dense. Kushana is a good foil. Foil is probably too strong of a word, a good point of comparison. And like you're saying, like there's great parts. There's a part where I think a lot of her soldiers are about to die and that like they salute her as they're dying, like in the miasma or yeah. something like that. Like super good action storytelling. Very creepy. Yeah. But it's still like there's just too much going on plot wise, subterfuge wise for me to really grasp onto it. 
And the yeah. Kurotawa guy, like as soon as I saw him as Steve Buscemi, like it <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, now it makes good. it more interesting to me. So. Yeah, like I can hear it in my in my head now. But no, it's like it's definitely a good book, but it's the kind of good where I like I have to figure out why it's good rather than like it hitting me personally. Yeah, yeah that's I think that's really fair. And I think if it I think if it hadn't been for the mystique that had been built up around Nausicaa mm. for so long when I encountered it, I think I probably would have bounced off of it in the same way. It's not like a lot of other stuff that I read at the time that I first started reading it. Also, funny story that you guys are already having uh, or that Chip in particular is having eye strain problems with this guy. This used to be printed at half size of oh what you're reading God. it at right now. You're <laughs> kidding me. It was printed a little bit smaller than Gundam The Origin the first oh. time that was collected like the, the issues were really were like this size the, the comic issues were this size and the collections in japan are this size are bigger as well yeah. but yeah they were just this was just doing everything at that like six by nine size and it's just like imagine this but smaller <laughs> yeah <laughs> and black and white and with more white space around it it was oh. funny like imagine the pages if they were horizontal like landscape and split in half like that's yeah, how that's it. the book feels already <laughs> oh that's horrible and I think the denseness is in the drawing too. Like it's the kind yeah. of thing where you could blow it up and read it. There's no digital available on this. I apologize, but you could blow it up and read it on this like 28 inch monitor I've got here and it would not be better. Like, yeah. I think it's like the denseness is the, is the art. Well, he doesn't use shortcuts, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, there's some <laughs> screen tone, but a lot of it is just very fiddly pen strokes. <laughs> yeah. And cross Tiny little hatches. Yeah. I want to, go to i just had an idea maybe I, I need a sec to collect my thoughts and put it into a question david i apologize for making do something that you're gonna it's have to edit you want me to talk oh, more about Yodorowsky? what about yeah. camera through <laughs> I, I was trying to like like tardy or any of those uh oh yeah i do enjoy torpedo hmm. but i feel like that's a different animal than these because uh, it's more pulpy and loosey you know uh, uh, uh. Mm. tardy was a frankly a comics master actually yeah. so it's not it's not even the same league frankly in terms of comics <laughs> illustration <laughs> like and i don't even mean that in a mean way but it's just like tardy can do with like 10 strokes that it takes you know miyazaki to like 50 strokes to do on the same illustration and it's just some people are really good at simplicity like that but it's, it's similarly imposing like i found tardy's war comics especially very hard to read while mm. um like jordy bernay did torpedo sorry i mentioned that by mistake earlier while well, those were much more open and jazzy but like you can okay. feel the craft in there and it's almost yeah. like i know that this is good but if part of it like isn't hitting with me i'm like why isn't this part good you know and that's sort of where i land with nausicaa hmm. oh so here's this is the question i was thinking of and it's about moving between media and being successful in one media doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to be a success in another media nausicaa was a did very well it wasn't like the biggest movie of the year or anything like that i think but it did really really well on release and it set it did well enough that he could start his own studio studio ghibli with his his, his compatriots and nausicaa was actually made for another studio it wasn't actually a, a ghibli film technically castle in the sky which was his next movie was a ghibli film and this is a guy who had a successful career in animation for like 12 13 years at that point that he started Nausicaa and the anime magazine is like, hey, turn this into a manga. And then they decide to turn that into his next animated feature. He's really successful in one field and he's coming and he's not very good, not as good in another field. And he's covering for a lot of the things that he's not as great about with lots of hatching, with lots of panels for page, that kind of thing, because he's not leading the eye very well, that sort of thing. Is there something that you would think of that you could compare this to for a similar situation where someone is really strong in one field and then goes into another field and it's interesting, but it's not, it's not your taste. Michael Jordan in baseball. That's what I thought. <laughs> very, very interesting. Yeah. He is very interesting when he plays baseball, actually, because he wasn't bad. He just wasn't. Yeah. Good. He was like a triple a, maybe a double a player in like a, in the MLB, which I think is like a really interesting thing. I don't mm -hmm. know. I but think like I have one it was to my taste, but then it got better, if that 
counts as an answer mm. for one of your things for your question. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm curious. Tanahasi coats on Black Panther, I think. Oh, that okay. first year or so, you can feel him learning how to write comics. Even though oh, like okay. he clearly grown up on comic books, like he knew the mighty Marvel manner, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but if you compare his first year and his last year, when it's like so much more of a comic book, both in scope, in terms of writing. Yeah. Well, the first year is much more writerly, I guess. Yeah. You know? He's also a guy who, and this is, you know, my insider Marvel knowledge, speaking mm-hmm. of Tanahasi, he just works so hard on that book to make it yeah. better and better with every issue. And he's the kind of, he could have easily rested on his laurels. Mm-hmm. Like he was a, he's a literal genius. <laughs> but like, with, he was with, like, yeah, with each script, with each, with each issue, he was just like, he was like running it by people and just kind of making sure that, you know, this works. And he knew when he would make a misstep and how to like change it. Like I, I've never seen anyone that dedicated to making comics better. Mm hmm. Uh, even even if all they were doing was making comics. So yeah, that's a very specific awesome. type of person. It feels like he yeah. was trying to live up to the quality of artists that Marvel was hiring for the series. Like Brian Stelfreeze is an absurd person yeah. to draw, like, you know, one of your debut comics. And yeah, yeah. I think that he found, he had a voice to begin with. Like you came because it was a Tanahasi book. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, this intergalactic empire of Wakanda stuff is wild. Like I never saw yeah. it going in this direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awesome. Wow. Yeah. And I think that Nausicaa is kind of similar where you can tell what Miyazaki's extremely good at, which are like the reaction shots, the moments. Like he can call his shots. You can tell that if every single panel was like a storyboard, this would be, you know, like a 96 hour movie, but beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't necessarily blend itself to my preferred kind of comic, but it's so yeah. dense that, you know, he's clearly having, you know, some kind of a time. I don't know how he had time to draw this, given everything else he was doing at the time. So he did take frequent breaks. So in between, so he started working on the Nausicaa movie and he stopped working on the manga just after volume, just as volume three was beginning. So in between chapter 16 and 17, there's a 13 month break. And then he was, his movies were just so successful. Like Nausicaa, like I said, did really well. All of a sudden between chapter 25 and chapter 26, he takes a year and a half off to do Laputa, Castle in the Sky. Mm-hmm. And then he does another eight chapters. And then he takes three years off to take to do Totoro and Kiki's delivery service. And then he does like another book and a half, you know? And then in 91 he takes two years off to do Porcoroso and comes back and just is like, all right, I can't do this anymore. Here we go. And just like <laughs> barrels through and completes the seventh volume. Uh, which is the longest by far. I think it's I think it's this is 14 oh. chapters, something like that or 12 chapters, sorry. And it's the longest book and he's just done it as a run and he hasn't gone back to it. And yeah, that's how he did it. He would just take off time. So imagine you're, you know, you think there there are long gaps in your favorite serialization in North American comics. Imagine getting six issues of Nausicaa and then having to wait two years and you can't even be mad because he's putting out movies that you clearly love <laughs> yeah. during those time periods. So you're saying it's exactly like Brian K. Vaughn taking a break from Saga and going and doing the Gundam movie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Saga starts up just as the Gundam movie's coming out so they can cross promote one another. It's sort of sort of perfect. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, it's it's weird because I actually talk shit about uh, Lord of the Rings on the Gundam the Origin mm. episode and reading this is a lot like when I started trying to read Lord of the Rings and I was just like Nah, this is too this is too dense and this is too much. This is not an enjoyable situation. So I really vibe on like what you guys are saying about sitting down to read this and just being like, oh my God, are you serious about this? Like <laughs> the opening is so nice. It's just like her flying on a her flying on her flying board for a few panels, and you're like, Oh, this is gonna be light and breezy and what and it's like, no, here's some military intrigue and some side stories. So I really get what you're saying there. I do think though. Hmm. I really appreciate works like this that are flawed like this. Mm-hmm. And I've always known it's flawed. Like I've not always known that like it's to the point where some people online don't even think it's necessarily manga. If they're in uncharitable, huh. they say it's like storyboards that are European storyboards or too, it's too European to be manga. It's too whatever. There are some people out there that are real fucking gatekeepers about manga and what, what is or isn't manga. And it's gross, but I there are a lot of people who bad. think of this as like, <laughs> no, this is, 
you're 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 fine. So I I do think that yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot to talk about. Well, I think we've talked about it. There's a lot to talk about there about about these things, but it really is the kind of thing where I personally feel, and I actually want some feedback on this. I personally feel like the right person is going to open up this book and start reading, and is going to go, oh, this isn't what I thought manga was at all. Actually, this is something totally different, and it's my bag. Whereas a lot of the manga we've read have been like two to four panels per page sometimes, very open. It's like Deb slogging her way through One Piece, which is like too busy and too crowded and too many panels and too tight and too whatever, but it's still so enjoyable that she kind of can't stop. It took me a while to get through One Piece, but once I, you get used to the rhythm of it, and once mm. he starts relaxing more as a storyteller, it's super mm. enjoyable. And you're like, yeah. damn it. Why is this chapter so short? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sometimes he turns in those 16 page chapters and I just shake my fist, but yeah, Yeah. I I totally, I'm glad he's hopefully he got some sleep that week. Yeah. I, I, I want stuff to be interesting like this. I want people to do comics and I don't want them to necessarily be perfect, but I want Mm -hmm. them to be really interesting and show off what they're good at. I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to explain, especially considering this book is now, 40 years old 1982 to 2022 very old nice yeah right this 40th anniversary of nausicaa so i don't know i that's that's kind of how i feel about it is if you enjoy what amy reader and crew were doing on was it princess amethyst amethyst of gemstone i forget the exact name of the book but the amy reader like prestige series they just did at dc yeah i feel like she would kill on a story like this with like that kind of scope, that kind of depth. Like that's probably the cross promo that I would think even more so than French comics because it has that kind of the lead you can believe in. Like she's very resonant or like rooted in reality, you know? Mm -hmm. And the art is still like, this book is so the designs are so cool. Pretty much everything looks amazing. The weird birds with no wings look really great from, you know, the latter half of the hardcover volume one. Like, I think that's I really wanted stone. to draw like this. I drew a lot of Nausicaa in my sketchbooks. Oh, really? Yeah. Right after okay. I discovered it. Yeah. I really wanted to draw like this. This like everything has form, but nothing has a right angle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you visit the Ghibli Museum in Japan and it's just like that. Like it's it's very organic in that way. It has lots of organic shapes. It feels kind of nice. That museum so. was mind blowing. I'm so sad I missed a Ghibli exhibit that was in LA this fall. I totally spaced mm. out on it. I'm sad it didn't travel. It's weird because this this is literally the book that spawned an empire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and won Academy Awards and that kind of thing. And it's, yeah, the fact is, like, I can see what's wrong with it. You guys are all kind of bouncing off of it. And it's weird because this was a transformative, huge, huge work. And I think that that's maybe the most classic thing about this classic manga is that it's a huge, huge deal. But reading it 40 years later, 60 years later, I can't wait till we get to Common Rider next week. Yeah. It's going to be like, seriously, this was the thing. <laughs> I think it's and like I think Dune. That that's, yeah, like Dune. Maybe someone will come along and make a Nausicaa movie in 20 years <laughs> that <laughs> tightens it all up and we get 2040s Timothy Chalamet to be in it. Yeah. As a kid, I wasn't really like a sci-fi or fantasy guy, but somehow I read like four or five. Dune. I read up through God Emperor of Dune, I think. Whoa. Wow. To the point where when they announced a new one, I was like, oh, I don't want, want to watch like this smooth Paul with Timothy Chalamet. And then I watched the movie and was like, oh, no, I like this because like it's the one that I let into my heart. Like I accepted all of the world building, yeah. like that incredibly mm-hmm. dense first half of the book before all the good stuff happens. Yeah. And I think with something like this, like there's totally some kid out there who's going to like just vibe with all the, I don't even know, like feudal, vague feudal beefdom stuff going on yeah yeah there's a lot of just society sliding backwards as we move forwards kind of stuff in all of his his sci-fi works and it's kind of socialist too which is probably only going to age better as time goes on (laughs) yeah i was reading this again we didn't really talk about the environmental themes but yeah I, i guess deb mentioned it but like the fact that everyone has to wear a mask when they go outside the fact that like there's this like, peaceful agrarian society and this like war, like military society that is like they're conscripted to. And yeah, and it only gets like as the political in- intrigue ramps up, it's like, yeah, the, the, the Toromeki 
empire are just trumps it's all just trumps it's like <laughs> brothers fighting for control of their diseased father's mind anyway <laughs> sorry yeah but it's very true like it's very obvious yeah i mean it feels like this wasn't really planned out i mean I, i'm sure he knew what the ending was going to be but it doesn't feel like it was focus grouped you know like yeah. oh god no <laughs> the movie's the focus group he version. just took it wherever it needed to go Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, her little garden that was like, here's all the poisonous plants that we have, but they're pure because they're not in the earth. The earth is poisoned. We ruined it. It's like, okay, like we get it. <laughs> that's where this is going. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but in the in the anime, that sequence is beautiful. Yes. Like, yeah, actually, no, that's absolutely. The like, I politically gorgeous. 100% agree with all of it, but like, don't tell it to me so directly. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. In another story, like it would have been like Nausicaa would have discovered this slowly. Yeah. Or you know, or, or it would have been revealed to her in all kinds of ways. Instead, it's just like, oh, look at my garden. I figured this all <laughs> out. I got water from below and I got earth below. And all of a sudden these plants are not poisonous anymore. And you're like, okay. And she's done with it. Like she <laughs> turns off the water after she explains it. Yeah, it's like, oh she's like, and now they're all dead. Yeah, like, like yeah. I don't care anymore because all I was doing was looking for a cure for my father and like but like Nasaka, why aren't you thinking of the big picture? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that her flaw? Is that her one flaw? Not thinking of the tunnel big picture. Vision. <laughs> like yeah, tunnel maybe vision. The, maybe the science could be used for other things. Like you know that yeah. that, that adhesive that was a failure became post-it notes. Like <laughs> <laughs> wait, is that in Nasaka? I missed that. <laughs> Especially Spider Man. <laughs> That's the only thing I could okay, think yeah, yeah. of at the moment. <laughs> So straight last my last thing before, and then I'll go get some final thoughts, David. Yeah, I gotta know you. You must have liked the sword fighting sequence between Nausicaa and that big dude, where she like oh, yeah. jams the knife down the back of his thing, and then Yupa, uh, Master Yupa, gets in between them and blocks the sword with his own hand to stop an actual war from breaking out. Like he takes the sword to the arm. That that is like I read that I'm like, oh, David's gonna like that. Yeah, blocking the sword like was super good, and then revealing like that his hand was kind of being rotted from the environment later was even better. But yeah. on page 190, there's a ponytail cutting, which is traditionally the best of all action scenes <laughs> in the hardcover. So I think it, you two oh. might not have it. No, it's in, page, but, it's in volume two. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's in, yeah. And wow. it's one of those ones where like someone like she says, I swear you will not have died in vain. Except this, my pledge of honor. And she throws her ponytail on the battlefield. And like, that's great. It's super good. But I think the focus of the story is like just a little too young for my tastes. Mm. And it's funny because it was running in an anime magazine for people that were in their like late teens and twenties, and it's just yeah, just a very different time. In yeah. 1981, 1982 was a very different time. Like if I could say juvenile in like a like judgment free kind of way, yeah. like it's like a little too juvenile, not enough edge. Yeah, like it's the wrong kind of juvenile for my juvenile taste, is what I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like the idea of this being for younger, like I bounce off that just because I'm like, no, if I was younger, I wouldn't want all these characters talking about their political intrigue stuff. Yeah. But yeah, but then again, I I read like as a kid, I read like 30 pages of The Hobbit, and I remember throwing it across the room and going like, <laughs> "F this bull s." Music in my books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn your songs, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Any final thoughts anyone wants to share that we haven't shared already? You should definitely try it because there's a lot here to enjoy. And if you like draw for a living, there's a lot, probably even more to enjoy. Mm. This may be the you know the the thing that spawned the empire, but the first Garfield strip also spawned an empire, and it's not very good. <laughs> first peanuts is great that is peanuts true is the first peanuts great. is actually great that was yeah that's the one case of like knocking it out of the park right out of the gate yeah deb how about you i wish i you know i i could give this to like a 14 year old girl and see if this would really grab her right like, mm. was this something yeah. like if you if you read it at a formative time in your life you would be so in love with it like some people fall in love with lord of the rings because they or I loved Watership Down, for example, mm. because it caught yeah. me at a certain time in my life where I was ready to immerse myself in that type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, so, so Chris, I know Andrew sells books to school age 
know, libraries and stuff like that. Is Nausicaa generally considered a good recommendation for that? I used to sell a ton of it when I was a bookseller. Mm. I used to sell a ton of it because people would hear like, and not just, I mean, it, it seems insane now to say this out loud considering image comics of the last 20 years, but there was a time <laughs> when there were no fantasy comics. Mm. There just weren't fantasy comics like at all. Like Nausicaa was one of five in-print fantasy graphic novels. So I sold a lot of Nausicaa to people. Anyone who was looking for something with a female protagonist that wasn't Lady Death, anyone who was looking for someone that was that like something that was like a fantasy epic adventure, people who had heard about the manga because they'd seen another Ghibli anime or two. It's it was a huge seller for a really, really long time. And young girls especially, because finding something that I mean, again, it sounds crazy to anyone under the age of like 30 who's listening to this podcast but like there just wasn't there weren't female protagonists there weren't young female protagonists there weren't sexualized female protagonists there weren't fantasy comics there weren't graphic novels in print like it it was just like (laughs) we had nausicaa from 1990 onwards and it was like a godsend until sailor moon in 2000 and even after that it stayed really relevant well also i mean you're like uh, some sort of Nausicaa super fan. So I'm sure everyone that walks into the store, you're like, um, uh, would you like Nausicaa with your uh, Batman comic, sir? Actually, that was Tayo Matsumoto. Oh, have you read Have you read number five yet? It's impenetrable. It's great. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I got to make you read number five now. You think Nausicaa was tough. It's Whoa. so good, by the way, if you're listening. It's also dense and European influenced. Thank you so much, everybody, for your for your takes on Nausicaa. I... Yeah, I come out of this and I totally see what all of you see, but it still has such a special place in my heart. It's really hard for me to to not love this book and to not love Nausicaa. She's perfect. She rides the wind and captures the heart of the deadly insects. It's, yeah, she's yeah. perfect, all right. She's yeah. perfect. For the show notes, can you find out if the quote about old men wanting to die in Nausicaa's arms is legit for Miyazaki or not? <laughs> like part of the design of the character? <laughs> Done. She's literally portrayed... Yeah, we didn't get into the Chosen One stuff, but like, if you're not a fan of the Chosen One stuff, she's literally like the incarnation of like the savior of mankind. So it's maybe not for you. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been a fun chat, guys. Thanks so much. After the break, we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back, and it's time for our reader Q&A, a sometimes appearing <laughs> section on manga explaining. But I hear that when we cover the Starfruit book, it's going to be a very Q&A-heavy episode, so that's pretty fun. Today's question comes from Anders in email. He says, have you all considered doing a special episode where the theme is North American comic explaining?" All one word, by the way, <laughs> North American comic explaining. <laughs> As a lifelong manga reader, I always want to get more into North American comics, but like the common complaint, don't always know where to start. Too many issue number ones. It doesn't have to be a superhero series. Just thought it would be interesting for Chip to flip the format and pick something he thinks the other three hosts would enjoy. Oh, my God. Chip, what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the, the problem is you're all versed in in like the North American comics market as, as well. Like everyone here is well-rounded except for me. <laughs> so am i gonna be like oh you should read daredevil born again i'm like you've all probably read it have you does, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. does the yeah. art and coloring hold up in daredevil born again if you're reading contemporary comics it looks old like it yeah. looks old i, I mean, think it it's looks great old, but it looks old like watchmen looks old the, like the, the people yeah they the, recolored watchmen the, yeah. the the problem is and this is what i discovered like I have a fondness for uh, Daredevil, obviously, but specifically mm. the John Romita Jr. and Ascenti run uh, with Al Williamson mm. inks. Mwah. Yeah, but the modern versions don't look that good. Like they only look good on yellow paper. 
like the way there was some, <laughs> yeah or or just at least on that that paper like with that kind of print technology because it was it was designed for that like the yeah. colors pop too much in the modern time i yeah, think yeah yeah so like you know i've been making it a mission to just like find all those old issues so i can bind them into a collection nice. that's for me so so born again like the colors the colors don't hold up i don't think a lot of the colors hold up when you have it like printed nicely in a collection but the artwork mm. sure as hell does like like i've got the i've got the Kelly born again artist edition and like i wow, flip through that. Wow. i flip through that so often so yeah. often amazing it's it's amazing we could totally do daredevil explaining but yeah i mean like uh, when i when i try and think of like oh like this is this is the comic you need to read this, you've all probably already read them hmm. like we could we I, could we could read all-star superman oh maybe know? if someone oh yeah. we should read all-star i haven't read that could, maybe if oh really it's so good i've got a spicy take about that one too Ooh. oh all right oh hey maybe we I, should then I can give the short version. Please, let's do it. So everyone loves All-Star number 10, one where like Superman is like, you know, everything will be okay and he saves the day, yada, yada, yada. But like Nausicaa, I feel like that's like way too paternal for me. Mm. Like I get it, the super dad thing, but the issue where his dad dies and there are all the other Superman kind of helping them around the farm is like maybe one of the best comics I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah, 100%. So it's such an interesting series that kind of... Its take on Superman isn't my take, but it has one issue that's like extremely my bag. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating in that sense, and the craft is off the charts, like from beginning to end. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's my. I mean, we're going into this already. I don't even know if it's yeah. like my take on Superman or what I think the character should be, but I just think it's so well done mm-hmm. that I can't help but kind of fall in love with with the series when I when I. Yeah. Read it's pretty it. much my take. I'm I'm pretty aligned with Grant Morrison's take on superheroes. I find yeah. so. I'm the give me red eyes guy. I'm the one guy that everyone's <laughs> like, no one likes this. I'm like, no, but it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that can be your pick for North American comics. Winning. Yeah. I think Anders has figured out the secret is that if you give us literally any book, we'll just start talking about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like <this is laughs> the, the podcast is already an hour and a half every week. We could, we could just go indefinitely. I feel. And so yeah. we all have to eat dinner. Anders, maybe if an American comic convention invites us to do a manga explaining that would be a fun take as opposed to an anime convention or maybe an anime convention will do it because we, we've got an episode on manga explaining behind the scenes we've got an episode we came up with in like 10 episodes in in season one where we were going to cover a very important book and we haven't covered it yet because we were going to do it as a special episode that would be done at a comic convention either like like online or whatever oh okay yeah yeah and we haven't covered it yet, and it seems like it's a glaring omission. And it's because every time we submit, hey, we want to do a manga explaining podcast for your convent, your online convention, we've gotten turned down three times. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. So we, I've tried. Deb is, Deb's working her hardest. Maybe and we, we should try being more popular. It. Yeah, we're. Yeah, well, I mean, we're getting go. there. Yeah, if we were yeah. more popular, it would work out. And I'm, as someone who ran a convention like five years ago, it was already that like everybody who ran a podcast was trying to get their own panel at a show. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what it's like now where everyone has a podcast. We should maybe find manga creators doing superheroes, either mm. for the manga industry or ah. like specifically Marvel DC superheroes to get like the kind of crossover. There like might be the some upcoming Deadpool Samurai that I hear we might be Anything covering but on that the podcast <laughs> <laughs> that David is also editing somehow. Yeah, yeah. Do a do a Japanese creator covering American superheroes, but not the one David's working on, so he can yes. actually talk about it. Done. <laughs> Perfect. Mm. All right. Well, Anders, thank you so much for the question. Our answer is, eh, we'll see. We kind of gave a preview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave you a little preview. Give you a little taste. Go check. Go get Daredevil: Born Again. Yeah, and maybe All Star Superman. There's some there's some disagreement. <laughs> shout outs. I hear some people have some shout outs this week. What are y'all shouting out? Deb's giving me the go ahead. So I mentioned I like gritty stuff, and I also love stories about friendship. So this week, Wrestle Kingdom 16 is happening. It's New Japan mm. Wrestling's. Like they open the year with roughly I don't know like eight hours of wrestling, and they stream it oh. online. It's Dude. two nights. And the first match is basically two best friends. These two guys, they were in a group called Rapongi 3K together, where they were kind of like club club type of guys. Cool dudes. 
best friends since like 2012, 2013. They broke up and now they're fighting each other. And it's very what? emotional. And I'm excited to see how this is going to shake out because they went from being club guys to joining groups called House of Torture and Chaos. And now they're both <laughs> kind of grim. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this is my, you know, this is where I, where I get my friendship fix each year. It's Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. So yeah, that Jerry, sounds Jerry. intense. NJPWworld.com. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Mm. Oh, wait, it'll be too late. It's going to start in a couple days. This episode I mean, but it's always that, right? streaming. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you didn't watch it on day zero, like David did. Oh, no, it and... was yesterday. So I'm dodging spoilers. <laughs> oh, dodge. Yeah, dodge spoilers. Yeah. All right. Deb, did you have a shout out that you wanted to shout out? Yes. I just discovered this yesterday. Akiko Higashimura, who is one of our manga's planning favorites, is now in Webtoon. Mm. Oh wow! You can you can read the entire series called A Fake Affair on Webtoon, and it's really wonderful. <laughs> All right. So about a single woman, she's in her thirties. She decides to go to Korea for a vacation because screw it, you know, she's just going to have fun. Hmm. On her trip, she tells her sister, "Oh, I want to borrow that nice coat you have because I don't have something fashionable to do in Korea." Inside the pocket of the coat is her sister's wedding ring. <laughs> and the wedding ring somehow creates this whole mix-up where she sits next to this really hot Korean guy on the plane. <laughs> she loses the ring. She goes through this whole thing. And then he says, oh, here's, I found your ring. And he asks her, which finger should I put on? And she goes, left hand. And then she proceeds to tell him that she's married. Then he, then he tells her, I'd like to have an affair with you. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like a great story for her to tell it's spicy yeah. and it's fun and like the liver and the milt she gets a bump on her head <laughs> and the bump on her head becomes the the character that's telling her you're you're lying and you're gonna pay for this yeah it's amazing wow. but it's so much fun because it, it goes into korea and it goes into like traveling and like what it means to date and it's all the stuff you love about Akiko Higashimura. And there's a secret medical condition. It is, oh, classic. It, oh, of it, is, it is so K-drama. It's amazing. <laughs> I saw a quote from her about that where she said that part of the reason why she did it is so she can meet all of her K-pop stars. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> she's, she's smart. I mean, she incorporated scenes in Korea. Like She obviously wrote off her entire trip. To Korea. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. That's the trip I think we mentioned on the episode that she went to Korea and she got a new leather jacket. Yeah, that sounds awesome, actually. Yeah. And that's all free up on Webtoon right now? Free is relative. Okay, got mm. it. Mm. Meaning you can read you can read up to a certain point for free, and then thereafter you have to wait a day to read the next chapter. Got it. There are 70 chapters, but if you're impatient and wasteful like I am, <laughs> like impulsive, and I got I got expendable income that i'm willing to burn on this shit i spent yeah. i spent money to read to read all of them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i guarantee you you will want to do that too because the story is that good wow awesome. mm. nice you know we haven't done a webcomic manga for this yet maybe that would be a good second akiko hikashimura book or maybe that could be cool yeah yeah maybe deb will pick it on a future episode of my <laughs> guess we'll see you in season three chip did you have any shout outs this week a friend of yours, a friend of mine, put out a new book called The Next Supper, Corey Mintz. Oh. oh, okay, yeah. Corey Mintz was a food writer at the Toronto Star here and a friend of Chris and mine, and we've shared meals with him before. And he went in and, and, and wrote this book basically about uh, the restaurant industry kind of post-COVID, and it's really scathing, especially <laughs> against like the delivery apps. Wow. And how yeah. predatory they are against these restaurants who, for the most part, are breaking even while McDonald's doesn't have to pay a single dime to any of these apps to be on them. Yeah. Wow. And th that's just that's, that's like the opening chapter to this. Like by the end of the opening chapter, I deleted all my delivery app off my phone. That's awesome. But then it just goes into kind of uh, uh, colonialism. And the restaurant industry, how, you know, everyone looks up to European chefs while kind of denying like kind of immigrant restaurants, their chance to shine. And it goes into a lot about like kind of unfair labor practices, case against tipping. Wow. 
it's 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 really good with some amazing interviews and, and it's so well written and like he's a friend of ours but like normally uh, i'm not a big nonfiction guy <laughs> but but yeah. like and i'm not really you know i'm not a necessarily a foodie or anything but i was just like i'm I'm kind of glued to this book i've been kind of burning through it and i highly recommend it to everyone uh, if you've ever eaten at a restaurant or enjoy food or use those apps yeah check this out it's called the next supper wow. by Corey mintz <laughs> It sounds really good. Yeah. Those apps uh, kind of screwed over California in a big way. So, um, oh yeah, equally was bitter a, <laughs> was a prop twenty-two or something like that. Yeah, prop twenty-two, yeah. where I think you need like a five-sevenths majority to get it repealed, which is oh, basically impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those totally yeah. normal business practices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I love the spread of our shoutouts. Yeah, like, my shout boys and <laughs> the Animal Crossing New Horizons DLC. All right, building houses for people. It's very different, and I haven't built a restaurant yet, so I am not yet complicit in that. But we'll see. I think the restaurant's <laughs> coming up. Other than that, this has been an episode of Manga Explaining. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will see you again next week, and the outro will tell you what book it is because I've already forgotten. See you then. <laughs> This has been Explaining, episode number 46, Nausicaa by Hayao Miyazaki. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be reading Kamen Rider, the Classic Collection by Shotaro Ishinomori. Want to pick up a copy? Please consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop, and you can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. Or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.